Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. So this morning I began in our 10 a.m. service. We had a great time this morning. Began this new series uh, that's going to run for the next three, three weeks, including this week. So three-part series looking at the book of Philippians. And um, I want to start this new series called Greater. And how many of you believe that God wants to do greater things in your life than where you are now? I don't know about you, but... You know, if you heard this message this morning, I want to say the Holy Spirit may want to say something new and fresh. I'll remind you again this afternoon. But I want to tell you, God is in the business of always stretching people to a lot bigger things than what they think they can do. I'm forever being stretched. I don't know about you. And I really believe God wants to do some stretching in 2018 on some lives here so that you're going to be used more powerfully for the kingdom of God. But when he stretches us, it's sometimes, it's quite a challenging time. And I believe that the book of Philippians talks about Paul really encourages believers in the Philippian church to push beyond, to, to believe, to look forward. He talks about pressing on toward the goal and not looking behind. You see a lot of this talk in Philippians and I want to look at the whole book in a sense and just over the next few weeks to encourage us as we move forward into 2018 for you to, be, to believe there's something greater. I don't know if you're, are you excited about that or not? You can either stay where you are, you can say, well, 2017 is my ceiling, or now it's going to become a new platform for me to move forward. Come on, I'm seeing an up, up there from Nick. He's getting excited. You see, the book of Philippians is an interesting book because if there's any book to choose from to talk about you doing greater things for God, you would probably not choose this book because it's been written by someone and written at the time they were in prison. You see, the book of Philippians, along with Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon, all those four letters were written from Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul, when he's imprisoned. I mean, do you really want to think that you can learn something from someone who's in prison? But I'm going to tell you something today, that God wants to encourage you because the majority of the time when any preacher or anyone says anything to you about doing great things for God, the first thing you think about is all the limitations you have in your life. You think about all the things that, well, what about this? If I can get this sorted first, if this can be sorted out, then I can become great. Then I can do great things. But I want to tell you today that Paul, despite his circumstances... He still did great things. He saw with a greater vision. We're going to look at Philippians 1 and verse 1 to 14. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, he says. In all my prayers for all of you, I will always, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear 
throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Amen. I want to talk about this first chapter today of the book of Philippians, and the title of this message is Prison Vision. You see, God wants you in your circumstances, and many of us have, I believe, our prisons. We, we have times that we go through in seasons of our life where you feel restricted. You feel like, why am I here? Why have I been brought into this place? Why am I going through this experience? Why has this happened to me? Why, in this particular job I'm in, do I feel this way? Why has God allowed this? And Paul finds himself in this place, and if you read this book all the way through, you'll see that the book is all about joy. Now, joy and prisons do not really go well together. You see, how can Paul speak about joy? In fact, the 16 times at least he mentions the word joy in the book of Philippians. So all the way through, we see this contrast of Paul speaking of joy, but also in a prison, a physical prison, chained up. And we know this is from when he's traveling in Acts chapter 16, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 27. They take him up into Rome and they place him in Rome in prison. He's now writing this letter from prison 10 years on from planting this church in Philippi to tell the people about, to encourage the people and tell them to keep spurring on in their faith. Just a few weeks ago, I, was, I went to the cinema with my son. Uh, watch Star Wars and we we were there on the front row and I put the 3D glasses on. I love a bit of 3D. And so I put the 3D glasses on. We're watching this film and partway through I said, I'm going to go and get some popcorn. So I I nip out of the, the, the cinema and I walk out of the room and I'm walking down and all of a sudden there's people smirking and laughing at me as I walk down the, the, the corridor. And I'm thinking, why are they laughing at me? And they're looking at me intently. And, and then I realized all of a sudden that I got my 3D glasses still on. And I was walking to get the popcorn. I just totally forgot. And so I, I took them off because I was embarrassed. I thought, I must have looked so silly. And then I realized that, by the way, popcorn doesn't look any better with 3D glasses. And, and I walked down to the counter. I got my stuff. And then I, I go back. And I walk in. And then I forgot to put them back on. So then the film didn't look very good. And I forgot, what, well, what's going on here? I put the glasses on. Some of us in our life are like that. We, we, what we do is we come to church, we, we come in and we learn about God, and then we go out back to the trials of our life, and sometimes we take off our glasses of faith. We take off what we've learned, and in our trials and circumstances, we leave them aside. Then we can't understand why we can't see with the lens that God has given us. You see, when the, when the opticians gave me my glasses, years, a couple of years ago I got these. They gave them for a reason, because I needed them to see better. And God has given us, every one of us, the ability, and it's called faith, to see with a different lens. Now, if you take those glasses off due to embarrassment, if you take them off and you say, well, I don't want anyone to know I'm a Christian, so I'm going to live this kind of covert lifestyle where I go and do the church thing, but actually, through the circumstances of life, I'm going to take off my lens of faith, and I'm not going to let people see, because I'm, I'm ashamed if they knew that I was a, a, a churchgoer. What happens is we remove the ability to see like Paul saw. And Paul saw with what I believe was a greater vision. God, first of all, wants to increase your vision. He wants to increase your revelation so that you see things beyond your circumstance. So you don't look anymore at the situations you're in. I've put here that don't let your earthly situation determine the level of your spiritual revelation. A lot of us do. We let our stuff that's happening limit the way that we see, the, the way that God wants us to see. Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. In the Amplified Version, it says, where there is no vision, 
no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. The NLT says that they, they run wild. In other words, if you lack the vision that God wants to give you, revelation as a Christian, a Spirit-filled believer, and by the way, He wants us all to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can see differently. Amen? If we're not filled with the Spirit, if we don't have revelation through His Word, we run wild. Our, our, our choices, the things we do, are all over the place. But God wants to give you the ability to have greater revelation. How many of you want that greater revelation? I do. I want to get into His Word. I want His Spirit to fill me so that I have the wisdom that tomorrow morning when I go out and about and I'm doing the things I'm doing, that I've got a revelation that is above and beyond what the world has to offer. I want, to, I want to walk out tomorrow and say, do you know what? When I went to church yesterday, I enjoyed myself. But when I go into to my workplace, when I go into my college, today I have a new lens. I have a new ability to see. I can see past and through the circumstances of life. God has given you that. You see, a lack of spiritual vision always leads to natural confusion than a lack of direction. If you, if you don't have revelation from God, then you have confusion. Then you have a lack of direction. And a lot of people then say, I, I don't understand the will of God. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. It's because we disregard the faith lens. Then we wonder why we're confused. We need to be like the men of Issachar. In First Chronicles 12.32 it says this, men, They were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. This is as David is coming, King David is coming into power. These were the men of Issachar, were people who had revelation. They understood what they needed to do. They have a wisdom above and beyond the natural circumstances of life. I, I want, I, I just let that be a cry in your heart today. Say, God, I want to be like the men of Issachar. I want to be like them that see with revelation, see with something bigger than who I am. Am. I want to bring a few points, and the first is this, that greater vision comes by recognizing the power of partnership. It comes by recognizing the power of partnership. Philippians 1, verse 3 to 6, Paul says this, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, when I read this, I, I, I see the very beginning of this, this book. This is his letter. And I don't know about you, but if I wrote a letter from prison to the church in Philippi, 10 years or so on, from planting that church, the first line that I would put on that letter is, help. Help me. Will someone pray for me? Will someone get on your knees in the prayer? If any time to send an email to the prayer team, it's at the book of Philippians when you're at the very beginning and you're in prison, you're going to write one letter and it's going to get to them. You're going to tell them, please pray for me. But what does Paul say? He begins his letter by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Straight away, he begins by saying, I pray for you. Wow. Wouldn't that, isn't that something for us to learn? That actually the trials we go through, sometimes we've got to get on our knees and pray for others. It should drive us to our knees to actually say, I want to pray for others who are going through something far worse probably than I am. But a lot of us, we jump straight on the bandwagon of, pray for me, help me, help me. Paul responds, but it says he understands partnership. We were, we were down last week in, in London and we took a visit to the Science Museum. And I went in with our boys and they were running around everywhere and touching things. And, and we had so much fun. And I love, one of the sections I love in the Science Museum is the space section. I love all stuff about space because I love to see the, the, the vastness of creation. 
I don't know about you, I love that kind of stuff. And it just gets me going and I love reading about things. And reading about the distance from earth where things are and realizing how small I am. When we sung earlier about how great God is, sometimes you've got to realize how small you are first. When you realize how little you are in the whole manner of things, then you realize how great he is. And I went into this place and I was wandering around. The boys were running around. And I walked up to this particular, um, this, this section that was all commemorating the landing of the Apollo 11 in 1969. The, the landing of the lunar space module onto the moon. It's 49 years ago, this, this spaceship goes up. And this rocket goes up, this command module releases what was called the Eagle module down towards the moon. And I read this story about Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, names that most of us remember, going down towards the moon and landing on the moon. It says they spent nearly 21 and a half hours away from this command module as they landed on the moon. And I was reading this and I was looking and they had a life-size replica of this lunar module. And I'm thinking, wow, you can't believe this thing 49 years ago landed on the moon. And they, they stepped out and they saw something bigger and greater than who they were. And this is amazing. The boys were looking at me and they, they just weren't interested. They said, Dad, it looks like something covered in tinfoil. I said, you don't understand, son. What happened 49 years ago? They landed on the moon. And I moved across, and as I went round this display, I see a little placard. And this placard, it talked about a man called Michael Collins. And I thought, I've never heard that man. If someone asked me on who wants to be a millionaire, the question, who was Michael Collins, I would not know. Until I went to the Science Museum last week. You see, this story was about this other man. And I realized that if they went to the moon, they need someone to get them home. And there was another man who was traveling in the space command module called Michael Collins. He spent 21 and a half hours on the command module orbiting the moon while they had fun. While they were on the moon doing what they were doing. Waiting to see if they'd return. You see, Michael Collins is the forgotten astronaut. But he said this, someone asked him afterwards, they said, did you enjoy what you did? He says, I felt very much part of that mission. I was happy with my seat, he said. You see, what they understood, all those three, even though you want to remember the two, is the power of partnership. When you do something, when there is a mission for God, when you have to move forward and do anything for Jesus, let me tell you, just like Paul did, you're going to need a relationship with God and people. People are just as vital sometimes to your Christian walk as God. Because God placed the church. He designed the church. He designed it for a reason. And by the way, Jesus is very good at building the church. He's very good at designing things. And the reason why he built the church is because he knew we need each other. Oh, no, no, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. He's the source. No, Jesus designed the church so we could have partnership together to move forward. You see, Paul, when he was in this predicament, in this isolation, he was in a place of loneliness. He was in a place where he felt like everything had all fallen apart. Now I'm all on my own. He knew that 10 years previously, he'd planted a church and now he could rely upon the people around him to give him strength and support through it. People are important. People are important in your as you move forward in 2018, it's not about isolated ministries. It's about getting into the body of Christ and understanding that we truly need each other. I really believe, I said it this morning and I believe it this afternoon. God wants to break the spirit of isolation over people. Sometimes there's a spirit of isolation that separates us. And I've seen this many, I've seen people, I've, I've spoke to, I said, which church are you from? They say, well, you know, I, I get up on Sunday morning and, and I just pray and ask God to send me where he, the spirit leads. I think, wow, it's a good job I don't do that on a Sunday morning. Send me where the spirit leads. Well, I hope he leadeth you to us. But the thing is, we, we're not 
here to, to have networks and, and just rely on social media and emails. We're here to be together and to work together for the mission that God has called us. And by the way, can I just say this? If you are not happy with your seat, then maybe you need to spend a bit more time with God. Because some of us need to be happy with our seat wherever we are in the mission. Some of us, whether we're in the command module looking down at others having a bit of fun sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to be happy because it's not about what you're doing now, it's what you're doing it for. See, Michael Collins knew when he was flying that space command module that the overall mission was about getting to the moon. It wasn't about his feet touching it. And I want to tell you today that whether your friends do something sometimes greater than you, That's not the point. The point is that together we do the mission for Jesus Christ while we're on this earth. You see, for you sometimes to step out of isolation and to begin to build relationships with people. And by the way, I've noticed when we're in the cafe and we meet on Sunday, do you know what I want to encourage you to do? We've got to start talking to people that we don't talk to. We've got to start stepping over the line. Some of us, it's like the biggest, it's like the biggest brink or line to cross just to talk to someone new. If we want to build our future as a church, we've got to start making friends. And by the way, I can't make your friends for you. You have to make friends. And sometimes you've got to make friends with people that you didn't think you were going to make friends with. Because let me tell you, the church is full of people that you never put together normally. It's full of people from all over the world that God has drawn together. And you've got to start to learn to get on with people. Because that is what the church is. It's the church of Jesus Christ. I've been growing up in church since I was a little boy, seeing lots of different types of people, put into different places with different people. But let me tell you, I've loved it. I've loved the variety. I've loved what God does in His church. And it is the hope of the world. Amen? You see, when Paul writes this letter, and he sends it to them, and now he's 10 years on. Remember, he's planted a church in Philippi. He's saying, now I want to send a letter to tell you what's happening with me. And I want to, I want to spur you on, not, not ask for your help. I want to tell you to keep going. When he does this, I want to tell you what's happening. Because in Acts chapter 16, you'll see the story of the planting of the church in Philippi. So what you'll see is that Paul, he has a, a vision of what's called the man of Macedonia. Many have heard of this. He's, in, he's on his way to, to Asia and God, the Holy Spirit, and by the way, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. He directs him away from Asia and takes him through a dream and says, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. So he gives him a vision of a man. He gets there and it's actually a woman called Lydia. God does that sometimes. He tricks us. And he takes him to Macedonia and he gets there and he meets Lydia who it says is a woman devoted to God in Acts chapter 16. He says she's also a seller of purple cloth, which in that time, purple cloth would have been an expensive cloth. If you sold purple cloth, then you were, a, you were rich. Then he gets there and it's not long before he, he preaches and he gets involved, meets Lydia and he gets involved that then he gets locked up in prison. And Paul in Acts chapter 16 gets locked up in prison in Philippi. He's not even planted the church properly yet. He gets involved, finds himself with Silas in a prison. And that's the story when you hear when they worship together. And as they worship in their shackles in prison, the whole earthquake starts and the whole jail begins to shake. All the doors fling open and they could run out, but they don't because they want to see the jailer get saved. And yes, he does. This amazing story, the church plant at Philippi, all began in a prison. It all began because the jailer gets saved. The household gets saved. Everyone starts getting together. Let me tell you something. That when in Philippians 1, he writes this letter to them and he sends it to encourage them. The reason why he sends it to them is because they know, what, they know about prisons. The jailer in the, in the church knows what it's like to be locked up. In fact, he was the one who locked Paul up. So when he sees this, they understand. You see, the people that you've got on your, on your journey with you know how to pray for you. 
if you're close to them. And so when he sends this letter, I believe they thought, wow. I don't think they were thinking that Sunday morning when the notices went out and they said, you know, fill in the welcome pack and oh, and by the way, we've got a letter from Paul. He's stuck in prison. I don't think they all started crying. I'll tell you what I believe they did. I believe Lydia got up and I believe the jailer got up and said, do you know what? I wonder what's happening in that jail, but I believe someone's getting saved. I believe someone's getting saved. Because if it's anything like what happened in our jail, in Philippi here, then people are going to get saved. I believe that in that trial, in that moment, they'll have got excited for what God was going to do. This is it. This is something greater coming from this moment. And I believe that when Paul wrote that letter, he knew that he'd get him excited. I'm in prison, but by the way, keep pressing forward. Come on, guys. You know what happened last time. You know what happened last time. You wear the t-shirt, don't you? You understand. Hallelujah. You see, John chapter 15, we love these verses where Jesus talks about the true vine. And he says, you must remain in me. So he's talking about your partnership with him. So when Jesus says in John chapter 15 to his followers, he says, you've got to remain in me. I need to be the true vine, the true source. There are other vines, but I'm the true vine. I'm the, I'm the source. Then he talks about you being the branches. Can I just say something? It's important that Jesus is the, is the vine in your life. But it's also important that you have branches. Because if there's not any branches, then there isn't a tree. And some of us, sometimes we separate from the body of Christ, doing our own thing, breaking away. And what actually happens is we become engrafted branches. We become cut off from the source and the life of the church of what God is doing. Just uh, last year, I... My wife went out and I got the, the, the cutters out on our tree in the garden. I've got an apple tree and my wife keeps telling me every year, just cut the thing down. But I keep persisting to keep it. And so I went out and I thought I'm going to buy the tools rather than someone pay, pay them every year to cut the thing. I'm going to do it myself. So I got the tools and I cut this thing and I was up in the tree cutting it. Branches just falling into the garden. I never bothered to get out the tree. So much fun. I was climbing up there. All I did is just kept cutting. I thought, oh, I'll take another little bit off, cut another piece off. Before you know it, there was nothing left. My wife came back. She opened the back patio doors, looked into the garden. The first line that came out of her mouth was, where's the tree? I said, I don't know. <laughs> In the garden? The grass was cut. It took me three days nearly to, bo- to bag every piece up. I'd cut this thing. I'd in, in other words, I butchered it. There was nothing left of the tree. You see, if you remove branches, if there are no branches, there's no tree. If there's no tree, there's no fruit. So Jesus says, remain in me, but I want to tell you, if you want to do great things for God, then stick with the branches. Don't cut yourself off. Then there will be fruit. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two, greater vision. Seeing greater comes by developing a lifestyle of discipleship. It's so important. Can I just say that some of us, we, we think that we've hit our limit on knowledge. Oh, I, I don't need to learn any more about the Bible. I don't need to hear any more sermons. Let me tell you, the greatest thing about preaching is repetition. Why? Because we forget. In the book of James, it says that we, 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 we read the word and we forget what it says. Repetition is the best thing in a sermon. Why? Because when we hear it, it gets into our spirit. Because the enemy, we know that the enemy likes to come and steal the seed that lands on rocky ground. So it doesn't land on a place that's rooted well. Let me tell you, if your life is not a life of discipleship wanting to learn, your soil's not very good. So when the the seed lands, it lands and actually you don't really receive it very well. But if we receive his word and we want to be changed by his word, when we're like that, we realize the power of his word. He says this, Paul, verse 9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. I love this. And depth of insight. 
And we're going to read that again. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Then he says this, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I find this amazing that Paul says this, I want you to have a depth of insight. This is coming from someone who was in prison. He's now saying to them, you've got to understand a level and a depth of the word of God that when you're in circumstances like me, you can see with the eyes of faith. You can see beyond your circumstance. You need depth of insight. Can I just say something? The word of God gives you a depth of insight. There is so much in this that God wants to speak into your life. It brings a depth of insight. But some of us, we, we put the Bible on the shelf and we forgot about it. We'd rather read the latest paperback that's come out than read this. But I want to say to you today, pick up the Word of God again in 2018. Make it a priority to read the Word of God. Let this be your best book on your shelf. Let this be the book. You know, anytime they ever ask me a question at work, for in, they'd interview me sometimes, and they'd do magazine things when I used to work in a company I worked for. They'd do little slots and say, it always say, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite book at the moment? My book every time, I just put the Bible. Got everyone asking me questions. They, could, they thought I never read anything else. I said, what's your favorite song? I just put Hill songs. It's amazing what you get asked. Who's, who's Hill song? Is it Hillbilly music? I used to do that because I wanted people to see that there was more than what they knew that we have, the Bible. You have the greatest book in your hands. I hope you've got a copy or you've got a tablet. Whatever you've got, you need to, you've got a book. We have a great book. See, years ago I was at the church here and I said this morning, I don't know if I've told this story before, but they started a one-year Bible plan and I got excited. It was in January and the previous pastor, he said, we're going to start a one-year Bible plan. And I thought, wow, we're going to go through the Bible in a year all together as a church. So we kick off in January and I was doing so well. Then I got into February and I was at work and one day I, I missed out on one of the, on one of the readings. And so I, I, I got my post-it notes out on my desk and I thought what I'll do is I'll write on there the ones I've missed. So if I write on there what I've missed and then I'll catch up. So I did that. By the time I got to March, I had a lot of post-it notes on my, on my computer desk. You see, I was getting in debt to the word of God. People were saying to me at church, are you, are you getting on? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing fine. But I'm thinking I'm going to have to have a catch-up night soon to catch up where everyone else is. Because my life got so busy, I couldn't read the word of God in time to meet the standard of the church. So now it become a competition. Now it becomes something I had to achieve just to prove I was with, with everyone else. I want to say to you, you can read the word or you can receive the word. We're not here to try and prove how much we can read in a year. I want to tell you, if you land on one chapter and you keep reading that repetition into your heart all the way through the year, that is good. Why? Because it's life. It's not about what just someone told you to read. It's about you getting the life of God. And if you love a verse and you love a chapter and you let it keep getting buried into your spirit, then I want to encourage you today, keep doing it. Don't try and do something that's methodical if it's not spiritual. Because if we try to do it methodically, all we're doing is doing it out of religion. And I want to tell you that you need to live a life of discipleship by loving God. You see, this whole scripture, what we've just read, there's something that I saw that I realized what Paul was saying. And in verse 9 he says, this is my prayer. And he doesn't say this is my prayer that you'll read your Bible a bit more. Or that you'll get a bit more insight by knowledge. He first says this, that your love may abound more and more. 
in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, when you love God, you love his word. If you love God, if you love Jesus passionately, and you want to seek after him, you want in 2018 what he wants for your life, let me tell you, if you love him so much, you'll love his word. The problem is, what some of us do, is we try to love this before we love him. We try to love this and read without any relationship with him. Even in the story of the Good Samaritan, when the, the man stands up, this, this teacher of the law, and he stands up. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says to Jesus. And Jesus talks to him and responds back and says, it's about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your soul. Your mind. Your strength. Everything. If you love God, you will want to read his word. I want to encourage you today. The best thing you can do is if you want to read this more, is get on your knees and start to pray and start to say, do you know what? I want to come back to my first love in 2018. I want to get on my knees and I want to start to pray and learn more about you, Jesus. So before I start digging in and trying to find it through information, I want revelation. Get on your knees and look for revelation. Because let me tell you, if you have revelation and information together, it makes information come alive. If you have revelation and information together, it makes information come alive. If you have one, if you have information, you'll only find information. You need information and revelation. And that's by getting on our knees and saying, God, show me something new. Show me something fresh about what you want to say in my life. Love is key. To desiring his word. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. In 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, Paul says in verse 13, we thank, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe Let me tell you that when you believe his word, you believe that he loves you, as we heard earlier, then you will respond to his word. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. When we believe what he says, then we will obtain the nourishment that we need. Let me tell you today, whatever you're eating and drinking in this year already, let me tell you this is the best food and drink you're going to get. It's the best nourishment you're going to get in your life. Whatever you have got, if you've got addictions today, if you've got problems with alcohol, let me tell you the best drink you need is this. The best drink is when you get into the Word of God. You fill yourself and your stomach gets full of His Word. It's the best thing you're going to need. Colossians 3.16, Paul says this in one of his other letters. He says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see... If you let the word of Christ, the word of God dwell in you, it means it lives in you. For something to live in you, you've got to give it territory. You've got to give it space. I was saying this morning, one of the biggest things in this, in this city is buying, if you want to buy a house, it costs a lot of money. And it, real estate is, is, is value and, uh, uh, on houses is so high to cost to buy something. Do you know sometimes the value of our space in our lives is higher than that? Because we don't give territory to the word of God. He said, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell. Let it have a, a place in your life. I want to ask you, in 2018 already, has the Bible got a place in your life? Or do you just listen to podcasts every now and again? Do you just listen to the odd YouTube clip? Is the word of God got territory in your life? And I want to say make it a priority To have territory in your life. It then says that it resides in you richly. That richly, the word plusius is a Greek word. It means to to, to almost have incredible abundance and to be like, you're like a spiritual billionaire. When you have the richness of God's word in your life, let me tell you, you're a billionaire. 
you are full of richness. You want to be rich, get the Word of God in you. And you'll understand how much richness and what it does in your life and changes you and gives you a greater perspective on life. Finally, seeing life beyond your hardship is another thing that God wants to do by giving you greater vision. Seeing life beyond your hardship. Verse 12 to 13, Paul says this. This is just an amazing few verses that I love so much. He says, now, he's just said, I'm I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for you and I'm praying for joy. I'm praying that you'll keep on going. But then he says this, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters. He's saying, I want you to know this, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Let me read that again. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You see, I just find this amazing because when he refers to what's happened to him, he's talking not just about the jail, he's talking about everything that's happening. And in Acts 27, when he's took a cross past Malta, up towards Rome and put in this prison in Rome. On that journey alone, he's faced a storm, a shipwreck, a snake bite, and then he's in prison. All those things alone, he's faced, but he says, listen guys, I want you to grasp something. Everything, all this stuff that's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Wow. Everything that's happened to me is advancing the gospel. It's taking the gospel further. Can I just say something? Some of us sometimes do not want to look back to 2017. We don't want to look back to 2016, 15, or 10 years ago to something that happened to you, to a place in your life that was a dark moment, and you look back and think, I don't want to look back because I'm scared to get into that position again. I'm scared of falling in that place I was again five, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. I don't want to look back. I can't believe that happened to me. Can I just say something today? I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to you today, it's time to say that what has happened to me is serving to advance me. It's serving to position me. It's serving to put me forward. It's serving to give me a new place. Let me tell you what has happened to you is serving to advance you. You see, what Paul is saying here is, Everything that's happened in my past is now my platform. Everything that's happened to you in your life today is either something that you don't like to look back at or it can become your platform for what God is going to do in your life. And I want to say it's time to say that what's happened to me is serving to advance me and my past is now my platform. Hallelujah. My past has become my platform. It's where I'm going to stand from. Years ago, I gave my life to Jesus and I started that journey and went along and eventually became the minister of the church here. And I want to tell you, when I became the minister of this church and I gave up my job and everything I did, let me tell you, none of the qualifications, because I haven't got any, gave me any platform for doing what I do today. There is no qualification I have that's given me a platform for to be here right now. The only reason that I'm standing here this Sunday afternoon and everyone's thinking, when's he going to finish? The only reason I stand here is by his grace. The only reason I have a platform to stand is not by my doing. It's because of his grace. Because I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to preach to you. I don't deserve to do what I do for you. But I'm studying because of his love. I'm studying because of his mercy. 
my past, if I sat with you and talked to you about my past, you'd say, what kind of platform is that? It's given me a platform. Because why? The times and the seasons that I was in, when I used to drink, when I used to take drugs, and all the things I used to do, now it's my platform. Church, now it's my platform. Because it's underneath me. It's the thing that elevates me. It's the thing that God has done in my life and said, I position you, son. It's not time to look back at who you was. It's time to look at what I'm going to do in you. Listen to me, people. Stop looking at it as a negative thing and start saying, this is my platform. You see, when you stand on something, you can't really look back at it. That's why he says, don't look back, look ahead, press on towards the goal. There's nothing to look back at because it's under your feet. It's your platform. Everything that has happened to me is serving to advance me. And you. God wants to advance you to greater things. Start looking at the past. Hallelujah. Every hardship you're going to experience, God is going to use to advance your influence in where you go. You know, in verse 13, then he goes on to say, and I'm coming to a finish in just a moment if the team want to be ready. Verse 13, Paul says this, as a result, I love this, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now Paul goes a little bit further. He says, he's not talking about himself. He says, look, everything that's happened has served to advance me. But now I'm going to tell you, as a result of that, the whole palace guard looking after me in Rome, and everyone else, it says, knows I'm in chains for Jesus. In other words, Paul says, that which has advanced the gospel, it's advancing me and what I'm doing. It's now getting out to people. And let me tell you, while ever you let your situation, your bad situation, be a demonstration of God and a revelation to someone else, God is going to elevate you. I'm so glad today that the things that's happened in my life, they can be a demonstration to bring revelation to someone else. It says it's becoming clear. Now, now Paul says, the people in Rome, the whole palace guard and everyone else, they're starting to get some lenses to see Jesus. They're starting to get a pair of glasses to see who Jesus is. Why? Because i got chins. Because of my predicament, because of my situation, I'm bringing revelation. Because of my situation, I'm allowing someone else to see greater vision to who Jesus Christ is. You see, when they brought me here, they thought they were containing me. But because of my chains, they can see Jesus. Because of my situation, they can see him. Let me tell you, whatever you go through, Jesus wants to turn that for his good so that others can see the grace of God on your life. Hallelujah. He then says this, verse 14, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare All the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Wow. Now he's talking about missions work. Now he's saying, listen, because of my chains. I I mean, this just does not work in, in our mind and our logic. He's saying, because of my situation and the way that I respond in the vision I have, because I see things through faith, because of this this thing that's going on inside of me, the brothers and sisters alongside me in partnership now are not scared to preach. Now are not scared about people. They're not scared. And now I love the word he usually says, they dare to preach the gospel. When you let your situation demonstrate to someone else and it becomes a revelation, I'll tell you what it does. It fires people up to be missionaries and work for Jesus. 
When you can show that you can get through a struggle because of the grace of God, you'll build confidence in people. And when you build confidence, you build an army. See, Paul, I love this, he saw bigger than himself. It wasn't all about Paul, it was about the people. Can I say something to you today? It's not about me. It's not about anyone who ministers at the front here. It's not about us. Why? Because what we do should serve to advance the gospel, but actually to spur you on. Because Paul realized when I'm restricted, you are now released. Released to do the work of God. That's what partnership is. That's what it's all about. When someone's restricted, another one's released. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, the pastor was away from church here. He went to another country. And through the week, I was in prayer. And I was praying and God gave me a word to preach to the church. I was just attending the church then and he gave me some word that was brewing in my heart to preach. But the pastor had not asked me to preach so I couldn't really say I'm preaching this Sunday because he was preaching but he was away in another country and then halfway through the week he sent me an email and he said I'm stuck in this country and if anyone remembers the ash cloud that happened that stopped the planes from flying he said I'm stuck will you prepare a message for this Sunday I had a few days but already God had put something in my heart in prayer let me tell you, it was the first time I got excited that the pastor got stuck somewhere. Peter Cavanna doesn't know that. I got, ex- I got excited when he got stuck. In fact, I got on my knees and started praying and said, Lord, keep him there. I get to preach. Keep him there. A few more days, he'll, he'll enjoy it. Because something happened. But let me just tell you something amazing that happened. He said this to me. He sent me a second email after I agreed. And he said this. Here's the notes that I was going to preach on in case it helps you if you want to preach my message. He sent me the notes and the scripture and the message was the same message that God had shown me. I sent him an email back. I said, I don't need them. God has given me the same message this week, but I didn't tell you. The moment that happened, I knew it was time to preach. Let me tell you, when another one's restricted, another one's released. See, that's what partnership is. That's when the Holy Spirit starts getting involved and stopping people from doing things because he wants to raise another. Let me tell you, I want 2018 to be a, a season, a year of birthing new preachers, birthing and, and releasing new preachers, releasing people to preach because it's not all about me. The Holy Spirit wants to do things here. He wants to build people, release people. And it's all done through a greater vision and a greater partnership. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.